You are listening to the Evolution Exchange NHS podcast. We shine a light on the topics that matter to digital and data leaders within the NHS. I'm Emma Heath and I help connect digital leaders with interim talent in the NHS and I'm your host. The views expressed by guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the official position or policy of their organisation. Welcome everybody to today's um, podcast talking about digital transformation in the NHS. I just wanted to kind of take this opportunity before we start just to say thank you to you all, you know, for giving up your time this evening. I know you're all really busy. Um, I'm really looking forward to kind of hearing your insights and I'm excited to be able to provide a platform for you to be able to share that with others. Um, So before we kind of dive into the, you know, the main part of the podcast and the questions, um, we'll kick things off with some introductions. So I'll kind of start off. I know that you all kind of know me already, but, you know, my name is Emma and I work for the NHS public sector team at Evolution. Um, I work with trusts across the Yorkshire region, helping them to deliver interim digital and tech talent into the NHS. Um, So that's me. So if we will just go around the room and just everyone wants to introduce themselves. So Emeka, if you want to kind of go first and kick things off, just, you know, say the trust that you work for and a little bit more about kind of what you do. Thank you very much. I'm Chikomeka Abuwanda from Emeka for short. I'm currently the EPR program manager uh, with uh, Southeast Hospital NHS Foundation Trust. I'm based at the James Cook University Hospital. Um, currently working on the RCDM program, which we are um, introducing into the trust to help improve the trust um, digital maturity. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, Jackie, do you want to go next? Hi, um, I'm Jackie Yates. I work for South Yorkshire and Bassett Law Local Maternity and Neonatal System. So we're um, a, a team, if you like, um, that sits above South Yorkshire and Bassett Law Hospitals. Um, and we look at transforming services such as prevention and inequality work um, and also one of the key weeks work streams is digital. Thanks Jackie. And then Vianne. I'm Vianne Maney. I head up the systems section at TUV, otherwise known as Tease Esk and we are Valley NHS Foundation Trust. We um, were essentially a, a large section. Um, we've got two systems teams, a development team, a testing team and, and some business analysts as well. We, we provide um, a complete service to the rest of our trust. Large portfolio of systems, large portfolio of projects and, and ongoing work at the moment. So it's very busy but exciting time. Thank you all for that. That was great. Um, so, you know, I've, I know you've already kind of sent over the questions in advance. They're, they're really good questions. Um, so what we'll do is I will go back around the room again. I'll basically ask all the questions to yourself. I'll make sure you all kind of get get to answer um so we'll start off with uh, emeka so your question was what are the salient points in attempting to enhance the digital maturity of a local health economy so do you want to give us a little bit of an insight into you know your question and, and kind of where that came from part of my question is actually around um what we're seeing now as the drive within the nhs which is to try and see if we can improve our digital maturity across um, the local health economy. And so for me, it's actually asking that question, which is, what are the challenges we are facing? Are there cultural challenges? Are there organizational challenges? Are there things that are so deep rooted that even when we look at trying to introduce um, digital tools that can actually help clinicians 
we actually keep on facing all these blockers. So I'm like, okay, are there any salient um, points that we can always eat, keep on looking at for that we can actually then use as, how will I put it, as um, not battering points, but silent points to actually drive the point home that all these tools we are trying to introduce are actually meant to help clinicians. They're actually meant to improve the outcome of patients. They're actually meant to even use them to improve the um, profile of the organization. But for me, it's time I keep on saying that sometimes we get, you get lost in the, in the eater and sometimes the narrative gets clouded and you actually don't find that it then filters down that clinicians sometimes they then feel that they're not being part of the process. So it's like, how do we then identify issues and points we can actually then use to make sure that the clinicians feel part of it, the organization feel part of it, and we actually pull everybody along with us as we try to bring in the change that actually bring in a digital maturity introduces into the local health economy. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, I can see both of you kind of nodding your head along there to some of the points he, he made. Um, Jackie, what are your thoughts on that? I think certainly with the um, the work I've been involved in along the line is is that absolutely is one of the hardest part is the clinician engagement. I have been on both sides of the fence with that. So uh, worked in IT and in clinical areas. And for me, it's it's getting right back to basics with the the involvement of the leaders within that organisation. So, for example, in maternity, having that buying from the digital innovation side um, that you've got that clinician in engagement from your, your digital nurses, your digital midwives on the shop floor, right up to their leadership team. Um, I've, I've been in organisations where that's worked really well and I've also been in organisations where it's been really challenging and I would say that the really challenging aspects were absolutely that lack of engagement at the right stage and at that early stage um, you know feeling that they're not on board so they disengage when they are on board um, but also um, I think as all these digital tools come along it's so overwhelming for staff, um, you know, to deal with the day-to-day -day life and get to grips with all these individual tools. And I suppose moving forward, obviously, the great hope is that interoperability will resolve that and it's bringing tools in that are, are linking in with existing systems so they don't feel that they're that extra cog in the wheel um, and then become a burden on staff. Um, so, so, yeah, I think that's my kind of two points on that and just one one brief third point is also ensuring that we're linking in end to end when it comes to digital tools and digital change so not just looking at that one little change and it's how it links in with other organizations and other care pathways and um, so yeah that's that's my few minutes <laughs> <laughs> thanks Jackie uh, Vianne what, what do you think I think very, very similar to, to, to what Jackie's just said that I think from day one, um, as soon as that the work request, if you like, if you want to call it that, is, is raised, you need to get the clinical buy-in. Um, what we see a, a lot, um, and actually I've seen it in other organisations as well, is that actually um, it, it's kind of a fire and forget approach. So, so something will be asked for 
um, that the IT teams will, will go to deliver it and start to plan the project and actually the, the clinical side can back away. And that's because, let's face it, they're so busy. They've got other things to be worried about. But actually, the risk of doing that is that what's delivered isn't actually what they want. And it's absolutely critical to make sure that from day one, that the clinical side understand what's required from, from their side as well. And they actually own that. Um, and they dedicate the, you know they dedicate that needed time right from the start and, and that's maintained as well. Thanks we answered that answer your question yeah. Yeah okay uh, one other thing I wanted to throw into the mix is uh, <laughs> if we look at for example my program I find out that sometimes um, because we are trying to make sure that every aspect of it is clinically led. We find out that we're actually being pressurized in terms of planning, trying to make sure we have the um, clinicians engaged, even at the scoping level. Because like you rightly said, um, easily you can easily go out and then scope it and then it ends up being an IT project. And you then ask yourself, what is the clinical engagement here? What exactly is the clinician's desire and what actually are they trying to see out of this? And uh, for me, part of the challenges I've, I found myself in is this chronic lack of um, staff in the clinical body. So it's so difficult to actually get clinicians. That, I mean, they want to engage, but the time is not there because they, they themselves are short staff. So, that's part of what I'm now asking. Are there any other ways we can actually address this issue and get them on board and get them on board as early enough as when we're actually developing the scope such that it is exactly what they want? Thank you for that extra question, Amika. Um, Jackie, what you put your hand up. Do you want to add something? Hi, um, I think, well, in, in work that I've been involved in before, so we've, we've had, again, the same problem and um, what we tried to do was in we tried to take it out into the clinical areas. Um, so all, all the, the existing meetings that they were already having. So, for example, one of the aspects that we struggled with was getting obstetric input from doctors because they are so busy, like like all staff in, in maternity. So we took it to existing meetings that they had good representation at. So they do a lot of meetings, for example, as an example around clinical audits. Um, consultants have regular weekly meetings where they're discussing issues and they were more than happy for me to piggyback on existing meetings. So um, that that certainly worked for, for myself. And then up front when, when um, like Vianne said, when you sort of kick it off engagement is um, our IT department used to um, organise that first project meeting where you have that initial kickoff meeting. Um, you know, and facilitated it. So they were taking that burden off the clinicians and they were facilitating that organisation side of it. Thanks, Jackie. Thanks, Jackie. And I think just one last point for me, really, it might be an obvious one, but I think, you know, if you're not getting that clinical engagement, it really needs to be raised um, as, as a project issue, you know, and, and highlighted to the project board for, for some intervention or decision to be made because, um, you, you know that that engagement is key, isn't it? Yes. 
Thank you. Thank you, everyone. That was great. Um, so we'll move on to the next question. Um, so Jackie, we'll go with yours. It's quite a long one, so I'll read the whole thing. Um, so just bear with me. <laughs> um, so Jackie, your question was, um, when I worked in IT 14 years ago, IT departments in many organisations worked in silo with service users that required their specific resources for a particular innovation or project. The NHS long-term plan ambitions for digital transformation sets out how the NHS is made up of hundreds of separate but linked organisations that complex patients cross between, with the drive being that the patient should be able to do so and their data and patient records are available to all and to themselves. How is your organisation ensuring that any digital transformation initi initiatives are being co-produced with all clinical services that a patient journey could impact on, including maternity and in particular the service users themselves and the patient? So Jackie, if you if you could, if you could just give a bit, bit of an insight to, to that, that would be great. No problem. Apologies for the long question. Oh, don't worry. <laughs> it's all right. It's fine. Um, it's actually, it, it kind of complements really nicely what uh, Emika was um, saying as well. That So my background being, um, like it said, so that, you know, a lot of digital uh, input, not just prior to being a midwife, but as a digital midwife uh, was part of my role. And um, initially when I got involved in IT, it was very much like I say IT led and, and in terms of any business change um, and then sort of more recent times, complete change, uh, got involved in uh, NHS digital transformation work across the UK um, and very much um, it, it, it changed so that the, the users were driving the change but IT were facilitating that and bringing all the clinical areas together. Um, so that was kind of because I've seen it, I suppose, from both sides and particularly with my current role. Um, and like Emika said, it's having that clinical engagement, but also the the service user as in the patient as well, if if that's applicable. Um, so I'm just keen to know how how you see it from the IT side in how you've seen that transition happen and, and how you do engage service users. Thank you, Jackie. Um, Vianne, do you want to kick things off on this one? Yeah, absolutely. So we've probably got um, quite an example in terms of the work that we're doing at Chief at the moment in relation to that. Um, at the moment, we, we're to implementing a, a massive uh, EPR solution, and, and that is clinically led. Uh, we've got a, a team of clinical staff in place working with both end users um, and actually service users as well. have also been engaged um, to ensure that they're involved in terms of both the design and functionality of the solution. Um, that they've been involved from the requirements phase right through to the testing phases. But we've also got business analysts in place as well, working very closely um, with that clinical team to, to make sure that the clinical requirements are, are translatable, I suppose, for want of a better word, um, in terms of the technical solution, um, you know, and then our systems development team kind of make it happen. So it, it, it's, it, it kind of works quite well. Thanks, Vianne. Emeka, do you want have some say yeah. on that one? For me, and uh, given that my background has been in IT, um, when I saw the question, it actually took me 25 years back, sorry if I'm, if I'm exposing my age here. <laughs> and given that IT has come a long way, and if we remember the Y2K bug, if we rem and then following all the disasters that happened in IT, especially within the NHS, before the NHS then started looking inward, to start to deal with the summary care record to try and make sure it's portable across um, boundaries. 
Um, part of the challenges there is that we find that our IT is highly specialized. And as you find yourself going into there, you find yourself stuck with a tunnel vision that ends up with you having the silo mentality. So it's been challenging for line managers and senior execs within the IT to actually try and bring out the, uh, the individuals are from those silos to try and get them to start understanding how their work actually impacts and affects others. All right, so for me, when I joined the um, Southeast, I found out that they've been doing a lot of good work along this area. And um, I found out that because of this, they actually have dedicated teams. If I, for example, the outpatient team they have, they have these guys actually look at what the outpatient process are, try to actually engage with the um, end users and patients to find out what their feedbacks are regarding the services they've been receiving, which has actually then led to the organization even introducing self-service kiosks that are actually designed around the patients themselves. And there are also other initiatives that are actually going on at the moment. And part of this, I find out that they actually also expanded, if I'm to borrow some of the um, salient points being just um, noted in our own, apart from the business analyst, we also now have business change um, staff that are actually looking into the process, trying to make sure that we can actually understand the end-to-end -end process from once the patient enters our service to when the patient leaves, so that when we capture that, we actually then understand the interdependencies of all the services and exactly how IT is an enabler. Because at the end of the day, um, we are gradually moving away from that perception that IT is an elephant sink of money, that no matter how much you invest into IT, IT will always ask for more because of development to now actually understanding that IT is actually a good tool to enable the business. Now, to actually transition from that mental state of viewing IT as a money sink to IT as an enabler is a huge process in itself because you have the clinical engagement like we are talking about before. You also now have that massive piece of work of actually having IT understanding which part of IT is actually needed. Because if I give, for example, we're using Teams. Teams can be used for everything down to video consultation, but it's not good in a clinical setting. We cannot use Teams to actually do a one-to-one -one with, with the patient because Teams itself, if nothing else, will then divulge the clinician's um, details to the patient. And we know quite well that that is not good. But if you go to an IT guy who look at things, who look at how much it will cost, you say, oh, come on, just take Teams, go on. But that's not the answer. So this is where I'm coming from, that when we look at it, IT itself actually now needs to um, gradually understand what it takes for clinicians to actually take up the digital tools, which is now where the business change guys then coming. Um, for me, I found it um, eye-opening because I found that every day I'm getting to appreciate what all these outliner um, professions can actually add to help IT keep on being a good enabler in the service. Thanks, thanks, Amika. Um, Jackie, does that answer your question? Have you got any kind of further points or anything else you want to ask? Uh, it, it does, just a couple of little things. One was um, from what you were just saying there, um, 
does either of your um, IT departments involve quality improvement teams in that process of looking at how IT can complement? Yes, it, for me it's actually integral and um, even in my um, program, we actually interface with that and also interface with the business intelligence units to make sure we are capturing the matrices that are built into the um, KPIs for the organization. Thank you. And Vian, um, when, you, when you mentioned sort of your big project at the moment being the EPR, um, has your trust also engaged in terms of looking at a maternity EPR or are you looking at one across the piece? We're a mental health trust, um, so so it, we, we don't have a, a maternity section, so it's not part of our, of, um, our scope. No worries, thank you. If I may just jump in there for us, we're looking at using Bajanet which I believe is the regional de facto, but I do know quite well. We are working with Bajanet to try and see if we can improve some of the services it's offering to the maternity services, especially around uh, the uh, pharmacy um, ordering medication, because we find out that it's very bespoke for neonatals, and that is what I myself am finding as, wow, that's really tricky and that's really complex. So. We're working with Bajanet to actually improve on that service they're offering. Right, yeah, that's uh, that's good to hear because um, I know obviously there's some some key really good systems in in maternity, and one of the um, kind of routes that we're trying to get away from is is having a general EPR that's just kind of used in maternity generally. Right, you know, actually have a specific maternity EPR that does a, a really good job. So thank you. Thank you, everybody. Um, so we'll move on to the final question now. Um, so, Vianna, it's um, yours. So yours was, um, how do you balance maintaining a successful information and technology service with investing in and implementing the latest technologies in order to proactively support an organisation with the implementation of dynamic working practices? So if you could just give us a bit of an insight, that would be great. Yeah, absolutely. So th this came about um, because it seems to be a challenge in many organisations. And, and I don't think it's a simple question to answer because I think there are a lot of facets to this. There, there are different influences, um, you, you know, that we, that we can talk about. So I'm just really interested to see how kind of other organisations approach that. I mean, could you want to kick things off on this one? Uh, what, what springs to mind is Windows 11. So uh, with us in the NHS, we're just about to finish migrating. So, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, if you look inside the organization, we can still see some old outlining XP machines and the IT guy is still struggling to finish um, changing, swapping out the Windows 7 machines into Windows 10. And then that's Windows 11 out there. So it's it's a challenge, and I have to say what I'm going to say now might sound a little political, but I'm seeing it as something that we in IT are taking as an advantage that has come out from COVID, because before COVID, one of the challenges we faced with IT has been poor funding. And so because of that, we find ourselves that most of the times we've been struggling with just trying to keep the lights on, trying to make sure our disaster recovery um, procedures are, are still spot on. We're able to still deliver 99.9% .9 that things don't actually fall over. And then the downside of it is that each time 
it comes to presenting what what will be our roadmap, what is our strategy. We'll bring out our strategy. We'll get ourselves aligned with the NHS um, um, 15-year-old plan, five-year strategy, the government schemes. We'll do all that. We'll write our marvelous business plans. we get our approvals. Once our money is given up to us, trust priorities take the money off us, and we are back to square one. So what we found out during COVID is that the government then realized that we've been seriously underfunded. And then, hence, we started seeing all these amounts of money being pumped all over the place. So for me, I would just like us to just correct that narrative. When people hear the government giving us the billions, I'm like, forget about those billions. They're still not scratching the surface. Because like Dan just said, we're still faced with that problem of how do we balance it? Because my trust, we are currently being faced with something which I don't know if you guys are faced with it. Each money we go out there and get, we are being asked to match it. And so the question now comes, how are we going to match this fund? We actually came to you asking for help because we haven't got the money. And now we are being asked to match that money. So we are going back and still being faced with that balance. Do we then find ourselves cutting resources to try and make sure we have some funds? Or do we then go back Look at the projects that we need to do, which are crucial projects that are not fitting it of our imagination. And all these who are doing it are the risks of not actually giving our clinicians the best tools out there in the market. And for me, I think it's still work in progress that I think we need to actually come with a narrative that will actually then force the politicians to actually respect that whatever improvement we're trying to make in digital health economy actually will help the clinicians and ultimately will improve the patient um, output and their livelihoods. So I mean, that's my own take on it. Sorry if I'm getting a little bit emotional <laughs> around it. Don't worry, no, it's good to hear that, you know, you're passionate about kind of what you do and, you know, your views, it's, it's really good. Thank you for that. Um, Jackie, what are your thoughts? Hi. Um... Well, I think that if we could come up with an answer to this one, we'd be very rich, Fayan. <laughs> <laughs> um, the um, business as usual, if you like, uh, versus the ongoing change that's constant within the NHS. Um, so for me, again, from sort of recent experience, if you've got that investment in your digital leadership from within the clinical areas, um, then they can take quite a burden off the IT departments but also work very closely with them um, so in terms of giving that you know keeping abreast of what's what's going off for example in maternity because that's obviously what I can relate to um, you know any any you know what's what's a national ask versus a nice to have and, and having that clinical engagement I think definitely investment in di digital leadership is key and then they can work closely with yourself so you've always got that engagement rather than like uh, we've said earlier, sort of scrapping around for, for that clinical engagement. Um, and also um, it's having that kind of top down and bottom up approach. So you've got obviously the top down that's from NHSX and NHSE and, and I sort of, and, but then from the, the staff themselves and obviously the fact that they need changes locally to work alongside their changing local practices. And I think that's where, to be honest, as well as the clinical engagement, I would probably say, um, as we've just alluded to, the quality improvement teams, again, that that kind of hard work and that legwork that has to go into any change that, that user areas need. 
Um, if they're involved as well, they can do a lot of that legwork with the clinicians um, to help the IT process. And then I think for business as usual, it's it's just having, it sounds a simple thing to say, but kind of robust processes and tools and troubleshooting mechanisms so that again they're not always burdening the IT departments with things that can be resolved locally with those staff that are that bit more tech savvy. Um, I don't know if that helps. <laughs> Thanks Jackie. Ariga? Yeah just a quick point because um, maybe I may be addressing this to Jackie but I'm addressing it to all of us. I find it a little bit surprising the way the government actually, I would say, every other 10 years, they changed the landscape of the NHS. Because now what we're announcing is that um, the CCGs are about to disappear and be, to be replaced with ICTs. And so for me, given the piece of work I'm doing, I need to interact with GP land. Suddenly I don't know who I'm going to interface with. And that, that now cascades down to one of those point you raised, which is around the clinical engagement and trying to really find out what we're delivering, how we actually meant to interface. How do we actually send the communications out to actually tell the wider economy that is going to be affected that this is what is meant to come to their side. So my question is, is there a way we can actually help change this narrative? Because when I look at NHS Wales or NHS Scotland, some of these issues, they don't go through it. Thanks. Yeah, I think, sorry, I was just going to no, say, go I think on that, it's, it's going to be short-term pain for long-term game, I think, because um, certainly I, I report to the integrated care board that will be. Um, mm. So we're known as the ICS at the moment. Um, and obviously, so in South Yorkshire and Bassett Law, we've got five hospitals, four trusts, four CCGs, no, five CCGs. Um, so it is a complex world, but I think when it becomes an integrated care board by July, it will get easier. Uh, but I think in the in in kind of the transitionary period, it's it's using we are, you know, you are okay to use the same routes to contact those teams that you're used to dealing with. Um, you know, the, the CCGs will merge into the ICB. Um, so um, I think those routes are going to be still there. They're just going to be in one place. Okay, thank you. Does any, anybody else have any kind of thoughts or, or extra questions? Uh, I, th I think just from, from myself, Emma, we can, yeah. we can take um, a more uh, holistic view of this as well in terms of I, I totally agree with everything that um, Jacqueline and, and Mecca have said, absolutely. And, and as I said before, there's many different facets to this. I think for me, it comes back to some of the basics as well. So that's around having things like, you know, ensuring you've got sufficient staff in place, the right structures in place. You know, we need to make sure that we've got the right staff numbers in place in order to be able to deliver deliver the, the ask. Um, you know, if you're trying to... Um, you know, ask staff from a, a small pool to, to deliver projects as well as BAU, for example, um, the, the outputs are going to be, you know, impacted in, ter in terms of their quality. And actually, their morale will be impacted as well. And then you start the cycle of, you know, people leaving their roles and to go somewhere um, that, that's a bit kinder to them and actually achieve um, one of the messages um, that we as a senior leadership team try to kind of feed out to staff in our department is, is let's all be kind to ourselves um, and, and that's actually quite um, empowering and motivating 
um, sorts of, down to the culture of the department as well that, that can really support that. Um, you know, and, and there's a man, massive benefit there. I think the other thing IT departments are pretty bad at is, is actually understanding uh, or ensuring the, the, the organisations understand um, their pressures. Um, and that's quite hard to do, isn't it? But actually, we, we you know, achieve are quite good at communicating that. So the rest of the trust does understand that. And actually, we do push back if the asks become unmanageable or, or become something that we can't deliver on because we just don't have um, the capacity. And actually, you know, could come down to a conversation to say, well, actually, what's in the roadmap? We, we align to that roadmap. But actually, if this ask is more important, um, what what would you like to stop and really work on that prioritisation um, process as well? And I think that's really, really important um, in addition to the, the points that Jacqueline and Mecca made as well. Thanks, Bianne. Any further points from anybody? Jackie? I think um, just on that note, really, um, absolutely. I mean, for me, um, we brought together um, a digital transformation board where we had to have high level sort of senior representation from each clinical area so that then the IT department had got that ability to go back to, you know, buy these senior clinicians to say, you know, we need your buying or we can't continue with this. We need your help prioritising um, and having that support at that senior level that report directly into IT worked really well. Thanks, Jackie. Anybody else? Or we we all done now? All good? Yeah, Perfect. All right. Well, that I think that rounds up all of the questions. Um, I'd just like to say again, like a massive thank you to you all for kind of getting involved, for sharing your insights, you know, and giving up your evening. I've had a lovely time. I hope you all have as well. Um, but yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs>